This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Wojcik with the record North Shore founding members, Joe Coughlin and Martin Carlino. You can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple, uh, Spotify, what have you. We are usually there. In this episode of The Varsity, we're going to do things a little bit differently where we're going to have two quarters in the first half but then we're going to have a second half so i guess we're deciding we're going to mix it up and have uh you know a four quarter nba game and then the second half college basketball game that's what we're going to go for in this uh of the varsity here what's our shot clock though michael i think we got to know we working on that nba is, shot clock or college shot clock i think we're going to do college shot clock we or are we going high time. school just pass the ball 47 times before we take a shot kind of thing the well, important then, thing is there is a shot clock there is a shot clock. Okay. That is true. I like the college shot clock because it gives us time to d- develop a play, you know, get some screens in there, get the rolls gone. When co- and I don't know, but um, to be honest, I don't even know if I can get on our side of the court in 24 seconds. So I think <laughs> we need the college shot clock. All right. So that's what we'll stick with in this episode of the varsity. Um, in the first quarter, we are going to talk about cross country because there was an uh, unofficial state meet this past weekend, not an official state meet. We'll talk about what the heck that means. Um, and we're also going to talk powerlifting, where uh, Nutrier is apparently very strong, maybe even the strongest in the entire nation. We'll talk more about that in the first quarter. In the second quarter, we're joined by Jim Davis as he talks about um, everything involving Nutrier powerlifting and uh, gives us some good stuff there. Well, in the second half, we're going to talk about basketball because uh, there's stuff happening, but there's stuff not happening. So uh, uh, you guys will just have to see if uh, Joe and Marty have another rant going on this week. Uh, my bet would probably be yes, that there will be another rant against uh, IHSA and everything going on um, with all the fun stuff. So let's start off with the first quarter where we start off and talk about cross country where um, – if you guys listened to the episode of the podcast last week, you were like, well, what the heck are you talking about? The season's over. The sectional meet was the end of the season. Well, yes, kind of, but also not really. Um, there was an unofficial state meet held over the weekend on Sunday in Chillicothe, Illinois. For those of you who know that, it's next to Peoria, uh, not too far away there for all the people out there uh, really into Illinois geography. But um it was weird because uh, Loyola and Nutria technically did not compete in this meet. Technically, it was the Sheridan Athletic Club and the Wilmette Cross Country Club competing at this cross pseudo cross country meet for state. Um, obviously, because there's no state meet, the schools can't really represent or be represented in a meet um, like this. But what ended up happening is a lot of schools around the state. Um, basically just had their runners compete in the club meet. Um, so where you had the Sheridan Athletic Club uh, be made up of uh, the Nutria Boys uh, cross-country team 
that did so well this past season. And you had the Wilmette Cross Country Club uh, represent the Loyola Runners, uh, who competed well this past weekend as well. Um, and as you guys might see, uh, actually in the story I have coming out, shameless plug, um, but uh, I talk about how um, it's very fitting for 2020 that Loyola and Nutria both do history or make history without actually being Loyola or Nutria. Um, where you have the Nutria boys having its best finish at a state meet since 1962, and you have the Loyola girls team having its best team finish ever um, at a state meet. Um, we'll talk with the boys first because we had both Loyola and uh, Nutria competing there. Um, Nick Falk led the way for Nutria as he has for much of the season with the fourth place finish at 15 minutes, 46.96 seconds. Senior Charlie Siebert finished 15th at 16.02.08. Junior George Cahill finished 32nd at 16-15-18. Uh, you also had seniors Georgia Stevie Noah, Rush, Connor O'Neill, and junior Patrick Jamison rounding out things for the Trevians. Um, again, guys, um, we had Nutria with three. Uh, we had two top 30 finishers and three top 35 finishers. Uh, Marty, I know you've seen this team a lot. How surprised were you to really see? I mean, this is against the best of the best. Uh, this new cheer team really putting it together against the best talent in the entire state. Yeah, not surprised at all, Michael. Like we've talked about in the past um, couple episodes, actually. Now, I think all three of us are in uh, in agreement that this is one of the best units in the state. So it's certainly no surprise to see them um, compete at this quote-unquote state meet and, and finish very, very highly. Uh, on the leaderboard, it's as you mentioned, a lot of the uh, the familiar faces and familiar names um, etched their name at the top of the leaderboard. Nick Folk, obviously, another great day. So it's unfortunate that we weren't able to see what this team could have done in the normal season if there would have been an official, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, state meet. But at the in the very least, at least we were able to see what they what they could do at an unofficial state meet. So encouraging, but also at the same time, maybe a uh, a little frustrating because we might've had a state championship team on our hands here. Yeah, definitely. Or definitely a team that could have at least uh, uh, placed with a trophy or something like that. It would have been good to see what this uh, crew was able to do, winning the CSL South, winning a regional championship, winning a sectional championship. Um, obviously a lot of talent with this team um, heading into this year. And just, we also had a look. Oh, sorry, Joe, go ahead. If you want, I, I was just going to say, Joe I'm, wants in. <laughs> you guys get all the cross country. No, but um, you guys have been following the teams. I just want to say I'm, I'm just so incredibly happy for the kids and for the state for doing this, for these coaches, very proud of the coaches. Uh, um, much respect for them just putting this on and just kind of taking on the workload themselves. Not an easy task with everything that's going on and um, kudos to them for doing it. I mean, I wish they did it obviously a lot of um, barriers and roadblocks in place, but um, I wish they could do it for other sports, even if the IHSA can't and just figure it out. So very happy that they're getting creative and doing stuff like this and about um, what you're about to talk about, uh, Michael, in a little bit with the powerlifting. Um, so just very cool. Um, and, and not just for our sports pages, but for the kids as well. I'm <laughs> glad that they're doing these things. When the going yeah. gets tough, the tough get going, right, Joe? I've heard that said before, yes. So there's a very good uh, reason and a good way for uh, Nutria to get competing as well. Loyola was also there, as I mentioned before, as the Wilmette 
uh, XC uh, runners there. Loyola Jr. Spencer uh, Werner led the way as always, as he has all uh, year long. He finished, uh, the team finished 14th. Um, while uh, Warner finished with a time of 15.55.98. Uh, solid runs from uh, junior Adam Simon, as well as 16.22.79, and from senior Spencer Jatsky, uh, Michael Solomos, Leo Stanton, and Cameron Mateka as well. Um, a lot of the car, one of the big things about this meet was that it was in four heats, um, which you don't really see normally in a cross-country meet. And obviously this cross-country meet wasn't uh, held at the usual state meet, um, that's pretty much all the differences there were, uh, with this, uh, state meet compared to the official thing, because most of the runners were, uh, really looking forward to it, really getting into it and, uh, didn't really need, uh, much motivation, um, to get ready. And that's kind of what the Loyola girls talked about, um, in their competition, uh, sophomore Ellie Grammis, uh, helped her team make history with the 34, 34th, uh, individual finish at 19, Fellow sophomore Maeve Norman finished 45th at 1931.89, earning the team top uh, two top 50 finishers. Uh, freshman Aaron McCarthy finished 59th, while senior Sarah J uh, ended the race at 79th. Morgan Mackey also competed with uh, Lauren Woodward and Hayes Flanagan as well. And one of the cool things about this for Loyola is not only did they accomplish history um, with this meet, I'm, I'm not sure. If Loyola is officially going to count it in the history books, I'd figure you would, but um, we'll see what the athletic department does with that. But the cool thing about this is this team brings back three freshmen and two sophomores from this historic team. And obviously the Ramblers talked about and coach Chris, uh, Chris John Simon mentioned that they're going to miss their seniors. Well, one of the bigger things is like, even after like the meet, uh, Simon mentioned how the girls were talking about, well, I learned this at the state meet. I learned like you need to, place instead of like where you need to worry about your place instead of worrying about your time and like how do you uh, compete against the best in the state so I think it'll be really beneficial for this team and really exciting uh, Simon mentioned about how good this team can be next year with so much talent returning I know Marty you watched this team as well uh, for much of the season I mean learning from this experience I mean this team can only do better next year you would figure um, with the returning talent that they have yeah, certainly the future is incredibly bright and you would, and I, I should say we would at least hope or anticipate that next season, at least from a logistical perspective, will be a little less challenging. So they've got the experience of racing during a pandemic already under their belt, in addition to some great talent and um, some runners who are only going to get better as they keep uh, keep developing and, and progressing in high school. So the future is incredibly, incredibly bright as we've discussed and uh, I, I don't know if we can officially say it, but I'm going to say it. Ramble on. I think oh, we can. I think we. Wow. I think we're at the point where we can say, ramble on with this uh, girls cross country unit. Wow, that's breaking. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations to all the runners on a great season. Really cool, like Joe mentioned before, to get them this opportunity to. Uh, run in a state meet it might not have been official but you can't take away the memories from the runners and the coaches from what they're able to accomplish this year and i'm pretty certain we won't be talking about cross country um until next fall hopefully unless someone else decides to do a um a random meet just for uh just for fun 
But we're going to move on now to the second half of the first quarter. I know that's hard for a lot of people to keep up with, but that's what we're going to do. So we're still in the first quarter for those who are scoring at home. And we're going to talk about weightlifting um, as Nutrier um, apparently, um, thanks to the great reporting and Nick Frazier, um, is able to win the national championship in powerlifting at 48,000 pounds. Marty, I know you're uh, obviously familiar with this story as well. What can you tell the folks about uh, what the Trevians were able to accomplish in the virtual powerlifting competition? Yeah, I think one thing you'll hear from um, when Jim Davis joins the podcast, and, and thank you to him for taking the time to to speak with Nick. I think one thing you'll hear is him talk about how great of an experience this was um, for a lot of Trevian athletes. Um, he mentions that a lot of athletes who took part in the competition had their not only their spring season canceled, canceled, but obviously uh, potentially their fall season canceled, canceled as well with everything that had went on with fall sports. So this was sort of a great way um, for a lot of new cheer athletes to, to be involved and take part in something that was competitive, that was safe. Um, one thing he, he also talks about was that they were very strict in adhering to all the safety protocols, mask wearing, social distancing, lifting outside, all those sort of things. So it certainly seems like it was a great experience for um, some athletes to get involved in some competition and have some good, clean, good, clean fun in a year where, um, you know, participating in sports and having fun has been a lot more challenging than it previously has. Um, so you'll, you'll definitely want to check out that, that story from uh, Nick, as Michael mentioned, if you um, want to hear a little bit more about some, a, a great opportunity for, uh, for students to, to just have some fun in a year that's definitely been, been trying and challenging. That's like 500 pounds plus per person that participated is what they lifted. Like 90 kids and 48,000 pounds is more than 500. So, that, you know, I know they're doing a variety of lists, but that is uh, pretty darn impressive pretty cool stuff. And, and like you said, Jim Davis has been um, bolstering that strength and conditioning program um, since he came back to Nutria. He's a Nutria alum um, for the past, I believe it's been about eight, nine years. So um, he's done wonders over there. Um, it's, it's really cool to see. And, and they do these competitions. This one's called the high school uh, throwdown, I believe, right? High school yeah. throwdown. Um, You're trying to flex over there, Joe? Am I trying <laughs> to flex? <laughs> yeah, what's a Joe Coglin going to bring to the new Trier uh, weightlifting team? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know us three know a lot about weightlifting collectively. Um, so we're very, maybe we, maybe we should let Jim Davis tell the story of the technical side of it. Um, but a pretty cool, um, pretty cool story, I think, and a um, way to get them active during this pandemic. This is, this is the same group of podcasters that were complaining about their knee pain last week. Just for reference, if there are any estimates, uh, any estimations on what this group of podcasters might be able to, uh, to put down in the weight room. So keep in mind, there's some back pain, probably there's some knee pain. There's, there's a little bit of, uh, of everything going on from these podcasters. <laughs> hey, I mean, it was hard to stand around for five and six hours, Marty. I don't know why you're throwing us under the bus so quickly. Um, you guys are, yeah, that's a 30. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was mostly just Joe shaming us, Michael. That is true. That is true. I'm okay with it. Well, anyways, we're going to, with that, we're going to move on over now to the second quarter, which uh, we talked about where Jim Davis is going to join us. He's a Nutria High School strength, performance, and wellness coach. 
Uh, he's going to join us and talk about, obviously, the competition, what they've been able to do, and the different circumstances that they faced off this season. I've actually known about it for a while. USA Weightlifting is um, a branch of the U.S. Olympic Committee. It's uh, you know overseeing the sport of weightlifting at the Olympic level. Sure. Uh, they've been running this high school throwdown for a handful of years now. Um, it's relatively new, but it's been on my radar. It's always been something that I would have that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have kids who like to compete. They train hard. You know, we're very proud of all of their efforts. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So it's always sort of been on my radar. It's something that we want to compete in. Now, because it usually happens in April, uh, obviously because of COVID, it didn't happen. Yep. Yeah, it, could, it was like, it worked out 
storybook way. Uh, I just wanted to ask about the kids uh, who competed and uh, just how they kind of approached it, uh, knowing that they had some hoops to jump through, like you said, but they, they must right. have been excited to be able to compete uh, and to uh, be able to get that title. You're exactly right. And, mm-hmm. uh, every The truth of the weight room and the way that we run it is that it's never just about lifting weights. Yeah. It's about, it's about uh, the camaraderie that's built over the course of time through working hard toward a shared purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we didn't necessarily know that this was going to be our purpose this fall. We thought we were hoping to work toward, we still are hoping to work toward an athletic, yeah. shared athletic purpose, but um, they, I think they felt great about it. Mm-hmm. You know, especially, when they, a lot of the feedback that we got from the kids was, you know, last spring was strange, challenging, it was difficult for a lot of reasons, but part of it was you're on remote, learning all day you're on your couch learning all day yeah and then and then you go back to your couch you know and you're mm-hmm. sort of in that home all day so what, what what the feedback that we got from a lot of the students was just what a refreshing break from the remote learning situation this was they, they were on their couches learning all day and they're great about it and our teachers have done a great job making that experience even better better than ever before yeah um, but then they got to get up and go see their friends and be outside and challenge their bodies and challenge their minds and improve. Like every report back we got was that they appreciated the social atmosphere uh, as much as the opportunity to compete. But th- those things combined create a really powerful platform. Thanks Jim for joining us this week. And as always, thanks to all the coaches and players for joining us. Always good to get your guys' insight as to uh, help our stories kind of get a different aspect to uh, the great reporting, but also good to hear from the source directly um, from the source. So as we enter the second half now of this podcast, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better, live better. Maybe we will check them out too um, with all this knee and pain. Maybe we'll... uh, take uh take use of the sponsorship and uh get some help over there as well all right we're in the second half now as we uh there knows there's going to be no fourth quarter for those at home um but we are talking about basketball and last week joe and marty primarily joe uh really got at the ihsa which i can neither support nor deny um but uh things have not really changed drastically in the past week guys there's still a lot of uncertainty um I guess what really came out this week is um, the IHSA asked for a seat at the table when things are being discussed, um, which is nice, I guess. But, I mean, how much does that really help our local teams or even help high school basketball get going when um, things are officially supposed to start on Monday, November 16th? Um, I, I don't know how, how encouraged this week's news really leaves you guys. Yeah, and, and and one thing to I think also mention, Michael, is I believe the IHSA formally invited um, a representative from Governor Pritzker's office or Governor Pritzker himself, um, and a representative from the Department of Health to their next meeting. I could be mistaken, mistaken, but uh, I believe that was some of the news that came out of the uh, IHSA's um, recent meeting here. Yeah. The- they invite him to the meeting, and um, but it's yet to be seen if they'll show up. Really, their their priority clearly hasn't been the IHSA 
Um, so, you know, maybe they send somebody, maybe they just send a, a representative who doesn't talk. Maybe they send somebody who actually gives some insight. It's yet to be seen, but I think what we've seen the last week is kind of similar to what we talked to in that the IHA has, IHSA has already kind of backed off their claim that they're defying the governor's orders. And that's because as we talked about, they didn't really have any, any ownership of that or, or, um, it was kind of out of their reach anyway. So what we've seen in the, in the ensuing weeks and days is schools just saying, well, we're not going to play under these conditions or under the governor's orders or both. So public schools across the state have said, no, a handful have said, yes, I think, uh, maybe a dozen or so, including one in Niles, Northridge prep came out today and said they're going to play. So um, that is the most local one I've seen a lot in central Illinois as well. I don't know who they're going to play in the right. basketball season, um, unless they want to go down a Peoria manual, but I, I'm not sure. So another release today, um, from the IHSA from their meeting is that they said that they sent out a survey to the schools, got about 530 back, which is a good percentage out of their 800 and some schools. And that 300 said they won't play. 200 and something, 212 said uh, they still need to think about it. So that's over 500 of 530 responses or 540 saying they, 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 they may not play or they, they won't. So you only have like 25 definites right now. The, these are estimates by the 25, 30 in, in their definites that are going to play basketball. IHSA already came back and said, uh, we'll consider also having a season in the spring. So it's still – so dang confusing. Uh, I, I'm glad I stopped myself from cursing there. So this is a podcast, Joe. So you are able to do that. Family, like. family podcast, but there's no. Should we let Joe, should we let Joe put the uh, IHSA on the lower block and go to work with some post moves here? Oh, I'm Marty. <laughs> I'm a chucker. You put me on a three point line. <laughs> I'm out, you know, percentage be dumb. Be darned. Um, but no, I just, there, there's no, there's no answer. There's no solution. I don't know if there is one to be had, but I do know that the IHSA's, you know, decision a couple of weeks ago to defy the order was not it. Um, and we're seeing the ramifications of that right now. Yeah, definitely. And then for the folks at home who don't know, uh, both Nutra and Loyola um, are still in a holding pattern. They're still waiting to see um, what's going to happen. I'd hard to, uh, both Loyola and Nutria last year, and they said that they're just waiting for more information. They're working with their school administration to make an informed decision. Obviously, they want to get their kids out there to compete, um, but they also want to do it in a safe manner. Um, I don't really know where this really, I mean, what what is, a, what is a resolution that we think is actually possible here? Do we think that one side is just going to let up? I mean, it seems like, I mean, from one from one side, you have, and coaches have admitted this too, where like the governor and the IDPH, I mean, they have bigger, they have like bigger fish to fry than to figure out whether some high schools can play basketball. You know what I mean? Like, like obviously all of us like love basketball, all of us love high school sports. Well, I mean, like when case numbers go up, that numbers go up, hospitalization numbers go up. I mean, at some point you just have to be like, well, things aren't looking good right now. We just have to understand that basketball, um, I mean, basketball just has to be secondary at this point to everything else that's going on. I think we'd be having a much different conversation if numbers were steady. You know, definitely if they were going down, 
um, from what they were at in August and they continue to go down from there or at least steady. The fact that they're reaching highs both in the state and the nation and the area, I, I, I feel like we're not, we're not making these decisions. The pandemic is. And we can fight it all we want. And I know we want to, but um, there, it's making a decision for us. And it's a really tough one to swallow. But um, I think we're going to have to put our, everyone's going to have to put on their, put on their best for the spring and hope for the best. And I can't see another solution. And I, I don't know if you guys can. Yeah. It, uh, after some of the reports we've been receiving the last couple of days of confirmed cases and hospitalizations and, and deaths in the state, not only the state, but in the nation, it's, it almost feels impossible to imagine a scenario where there's going to be basketball this year, um, that being in 2020. So perhaps maybe we're able to get something started um, in the first uh, first portion of 2021 if we start to see a little bit of a, of a better trend in terms of uh, case numbers, hospitalizations, deaths, all those metrics we've been using to determine the severity of the pandemic. Uh, but, but maybe within the first couple months of, of 21, there's some hope for that. But right now, it, uh, it feels very challenging to imagine a scenario where we're uh, where we're getting basketball in 2020. Right. And I, I think it, it comes down to where, um, I don't know. And obviously I, I think anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm no health expert. And I, don't, I think you guys would also agree that you guys aren't health experts at all, but I mean, some sports, I would hope that they, they still follow the low risk of like swimming. Like you can still do that virtually or like gymnastics. You can still do that virtually. And the, all this, like, obviously we, we would want all the sports that are able to take place safely. Um, they should take place safely, but it just seems like basketball just seems too hard to be able to do with, um, even if they do wear a mask. I mean, you have like, I mean, you, like Marty meant, joked about earlier. I mean, you get guys down in the post, you got three guys or four guys fighting for a rebound. A, those masks could fall off very easily. I mean, people get swiped in the mouth all the time going up for rebounds and just battling for the ball. I don't really see how um, you can even have a medium sport or even a high risk sport like that competing against each other. I mean, obviously I think a lot of these coaches and administrators and IHSA are going to keep on waiting for an answer or some type of, uh, you know, like leadership or any sort of like light down the tunnel, but it just seems like it's going to be way too hard. And basketball, like Marty might said, like there could be a time where we see basketball and football taking place i don't know march april maybe even like would i mean would they even bother doing basketball and football in the summer or at that point do you have aau and like that does does not make any sense with the football you hope to have in the fall and you just scrap all of that and you're just like all right it was a wasted year it just didn't happen with everything else going on and we just need to leave it at that and start fresh at 2021 I wish I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I can't, I mean, you got to do what you you have to do and follow what the numbers and the health experts are saying. I just don't see how it'd be wild to go to a, um, a football playoff game in May. That'd be pretty wild. Be enjoyable. Yeah. Hopefully. So know. we'll continue to keep you guys posted on what's going on on that front. Um, obviously a very fluid situation. Make sure you guys are uh, catching up and sticking up with what we are doing. A uh, quick note before we say goodbye. 
Um, today, uh, we are recording this on Wednesday, November 11th. Happy Veterans Day, everybody. Um, but uh, on, you know, today was the first official signing day period for high school athletes uh, to be able to sign uh, in the early period. Um, we saw over social media that there are a bunch of new Trier uh, athletes and a few loyal there uh, signing over. So make sure you guys go check it out. Nutri, I think, had it on their Twitter account, Nutri Athletics, and Loyal had it on their uh, athletics page as well. Um, obviously, congratulations to all the student athletes on uh, getting that opportunity to comp- compete collegiately. Um, the large number is not really surprising given the talent that we are able to cover here um, in the area. So we're not really surprised about the amount of talent, but uh, still, congratulations to all the athletes getting a chance to continue to play the sport. Um, at the collegiate level. And that's it for the podcast in this week's episode. We're at the end of the second half. I think the shot clock is over, but I'm still not really sure what we agreed upon in this episode, but you know what? It still works somehow. A quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to uh, podcasts, essentially iTunes, Spotify, or on SoundCloud on on the website as well. Make sure you're going to the record North Shore. Joe has a quick thing to say. When you when you're going to see the podcast on on your favorite um, podcast uh, network, uh, search the record North Shore, not the Varsity. We have two podcasts; they're both settled in the record North Shore, so you can search that. All right, make sure you guys are looking there. All right, I don't know how much sports we'll have to talk about then, but uh, we'll have basketball announcements. I'm sure. I'm sure some sports will start out soon, but uh, for Joe, Marty, and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. And we'll talk to you guys down the road. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.